sorry I don't love you A fresh I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back and we have Megan Moore on the podcast. We recently retired Miss Line, but she is finally back on this podcast. It's been a while and we are going to be discussing Get Out today. But before we do so, I want to let you all know that support for this podcast comes from Justin Maybe Design. Are you sick of your current website? Is it outdated? Does it need a facelift? Maybe you just wish it worked better. My website was recently redesigned by Justin Maybe Design, and it looks way better than my WordPress portfolio website did. And Squarespace is just so easy to use. He helped me get it all set up within a couple hours. And with full website builds, search engine optimization, and a focus on training for all clients, Justin Maybe Design is ready to make your online presence the best it can, boss- the best it can possibly be. You'll never feel out of the loop ever again. Like I mentioned, Justin uses Squarespace to create all of his designs. You don't have to worry about patches or plugins or just ever making sure your website works correctly. Plus, there are tutorials and 24-7 support if you ever get stuck on anything. So if you're interested in a website redesign or building your website from scratch, check out justinmaybe.com for a full line of training resources pricing for full builds, and a blog with tips and tricks to get the most out of your Squarespace site. If you mention this ad, you will get 20% off of your first year of hosting. And again, that is justinmaybe.com, and his last name is spelled M-A-B-E-E. So it's pronounced maybe, spelled a little differently, and we will have a link in the show notes for you so you don't have to memorize that or anything like that. But now to dive into the Get Out discussion. Megan, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderfully today. Are you ready to dive into Get Out? I've been dying to talk about this movie ever since I watched it, and finally someone volunteered to come on and talk about it with me. See, you should have mentioned this way when we were doing Miss Aligned, because I had seen Get Out while we were still recording it, because I waited a long time to see it and saw it when it was on HBO. Yeah, I think I ended up watching it earlier this year, but I believe it was, I don't know, I want to say January or early February. It was definitely before I watched Black Panther, which is kind of a segue into our discussion on casting here because Daniel Kaluuya is the main actor in this film and he played Wakabi in Black Panther and He's been in some other things, which we'll dive into. But, you know, I definitely watched Get Out before Black Panther. And when he was Mm -hmm. in Black Panther, I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And, you know, you and I were just discussing this and it's in the doc with our notes and everything like that. And I totally forgot he was in Skins. There were so many people in Skins, though, that it's really hard to keep track of all of them because of the different generations and everything like that and I was like oh okay this makes sense because there was like this sense of familiarity about him and I could not place it he was very very young when he was posh Kenneth in skin so it took me a little bit when I saw that in the doc and I was like aha it was posh kenneth who was in the first generation so the generation that gave us cassie and sid and tony and all of them and if you don't remember he's the one that had a chat with sid about someone being a very fiery person so as soon as i saw a gif of that it was like 
aha, that's where I've seen him originally. And like you, I watched Black Panther after I saw Get Out. And I just looked through my tweets and I saw that I watched it in February of this year. And somehow I should never listen to my friends when they talk about horror movies ever again. Yeah. And before we sort of dive into what made this movie unique and everything, we are going to go through just a couple of the other cast members for this movie because you have... You know, Allison Williams, who is the girlfriend of Daniel Kaluuya's character, Chris. So she is playing Rose Armitage. And, you know, her character takes one of the biggest turns in this movie. And I think she played the character really well. And I honestly knew nothing about her. Apparently, she is in a single episode of a series of unfortunate events, which I happen to have started watching the second season of today, but I think she's uncredited. So if she was in it yet, I haven't noticed if it's an episode that I haven't gotten to yet. I guess I have that look to look forward to. And she was also in Girls as Marnie Michaels, which is a show that I've never watched, nor have Same. I had any desire to watch. So there's that. But she's also Brian Williams of NBC fame's daughter. He's the one that flubbed on the nightly news that one time with breaking news. And he has since been moved from the actual NBC channel. And his reporting desk at Nightly News has been taken over by Lester Holt. And he's doing the breaking news for MSNBC. And if you watched NBC, speaking of NBC, really, if you watched NBC's Peter Pan Live she actually starred as Peter Pan. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can honestly say I had not seen anything, I think, that she had been in. Ah, and I just saw this uh, series of unfortunate events thing that you were just mentioning. She was cast in the recurring role of Kit Snicket. Yeah, and on IMDb right now, she's only listed in one episode, but I know they're doing a third season, so maybe she'll pop up in that some more. Like I said, I just started season two today, and I think I got four episodes into it, I want to say. By the time everyone is listening to this, I will have finished the second season, of course, because that's how it goes when you podcast ahead of time. But have you read the books? That's the important thing here. I didn't have all of them. I think the books I had were five through eight, and I read at least five and six. I'm definitely missing some, but I know how closely the show is following the books. Okay, that makes me excited to hear, because I haven't watched it yet, but I loved the books. Okay, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised then with how well done the show is. I mean, it's completely absurd, but so are the books, so it kind of makes sense. I mean, even Lemony Snicket's writing is just out there, so it, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and one of the other actors I wanted to specifically talk about from Get Out is Lakeith Stanfield, and he is in Atlanta as well. So he was someone who sort of stood out to me, and he has a somewhat small role in this because he just comes along for the auction basically that happens later and we'll get into that in more detail for sure because that is sort of the moment when you're like oh oh okay huh he played snoop dogg and straight out of compton i still have to watch that <laughs> yeah i haven't seen that either and i've only seen bits and pieces of atlanta so yeah i highly recommend catching up on atlanta but you know 
We don't need too many tangents here before we get into the meat of the movie, but are there any other of the actors or actresses that you specifically want to mention real quick here? Ah, yes. The mom, Missy Armitage, is portrayed by Katherine Keener, who was also in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, which, as you told me earlier, you have pretty much seen bits and pieces, haven't really seen the whole thing, but... If you've seen the movie, you know that Catherine's character is Trish, who is whom Andy, played by Steve Carell, falls in love with. So if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry I just spoiled it for you, but it's been out for years, so I don't feel bad. Yeah, I don't think spoilers count in this podcast. Usually I do them if I'm covering a recent movie, like I probably will whenever I wind up doing solo and deadpool 2 or something like that since those are more recent movies and well by the time you're listening to this solo will be out so you know what i mean spoiler alert i've heard very mixed things about that movie already but we can all celebrate the fact that lando carlesian is a pansexual which donald glover definitely was not surprised by (laughs) this just gives the backstory a whole new meaning with watching old old (laughs) star wars films exactly Well, now I want to sort of move on to how this movie is unique, because you mentioned not listening to your friends when it came to horror movies now. And yes, this is a horror movie, but it isn't in the sense of watching something like Scream or, you know, those sort of horror movies that are basically built for the jump scare. And this was definitely something that was well thought out. And it sort of just gets creepier and creepier as you go. And I think it was a very, very nice buildup to what Jordan Peele was going for. And, you know, he did a fantastic job writing and directing this movie. And we're going to talk about what he has coming up next at the end of the podcast. But What did you think it was about Get Out that sort of just made this movie stand out to you? That it was defined as a horror movie, but it had a lot of comedic elements to it. And the fact that me, known person who does not like horror movies, absolutely loved this movie. Probably because there wasn't anything super, super scary. And it was more of a psychological thriller more than anything. Like, I was just blown away with how great it was. And part of the reason I kind of put off watching it was because of the whole it was under the horror genre, because I'm a giant (laughs) weenie, so. Yeah, I just think that the buildup by sort of just having it start out as this everyday normal relationship between these two people, you know, he's going to go meet the parents and... He gets, you know, these couple little warnings from her that, you know, what her parents are like, basically. And when he gets to the house, you know, things start to seem weird to him. And then you have, you know, the woman who is coming and serving them, you know, water, lemonade, whatever. And he's sort of just like looking around like he knows something is up, but he can't quite figure it out just yet. And from the moment they arrive at the house, it's like things just start to go downhill from there. And plus you have the deer incident on the way there too. This is true. And it does do a very good job of showing the racial disparities in America today, where of course um, Daniel Kluge's character is going to be very skeptical of the cop 
and kind of really defensive. And then to see his reaction when he sees that Rose's family has the black servants, essentially. That was that was an interesting thing to see, because usually in movies we've seen them portrayed as just background characters and not ones who kind of do have this huge, huge, huge connection to the main story. The only exception I can think movie-wise for this would be The Help, which is a totally different genre of movie and just totally, totally different than, well, Get Out. And then it's interesting because the parents of Rose are a neurosurgeon and a hypnotherapist. And honestly, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh man, this is, we're going to be in for a weird ride here because these are people that deal with brains. They know how brains work. They know what to do with brains. And it's like, that could be the huge element of foreshadowing here. Yeah, that's something I don't think I really caught on to, at least with the dad, when they first mentioned, you know, what they do. Because with the mom, it's sort of, I don't want to say it's completely out there, but, you know, being a neurosurgeon, that's like, okay, that's that's a thing we know that someone has to be. But with the mom, you're like, okay, what are they getting at with this? Because to be both medical professionals in two completely different ways, it's like, okay, you know, there are definitely couples out there that are, they're both doctors and things like that. But in this setting, and the fact that they live so far away from literally anything was another sort of, I guess, early alarm. You're like, where are they going? (laughs) You know, like, where do these parents live? And then that sort of makes you wonder who exactly they're seeing as doctors if they live so far out of the way. As someone who has friends whose parents are doctors, you know, it kind of doesn't surprise me that they're living so far out of the way. At least up in Pennsylvania, where a lot of my friends' parents still live, it wasn't unheard of for them to get a nice house in the middle of a farm that's very, very far away from really anything. And... But maybe that's just like a Pennsylvania thing. Maybe that's a northern thing because down here in the south, you've got estates that are just acres and acres of sprawling land, which also makes sense given the geographic location. Like people want large grassy fields in the middle of nowhere. They like being away from society, away from the hustle and bustle. But I did find it interesting when... She brings up that her mom's a hypnotherapist because the first thing that comes to my mind with that is, oh, those people can sometimes be a little off the chains. Like what they practice isn't really something that's medically sound. It's just like hypnotism, essentially. And it's like someone's going to end up clucking like a chicken or... (laughs) I don't know, like barking like a dog. Like we see in these little hypnotic sideshows that travel with carnivals or like travel to schools. And when she mentioned that she was going to try to help him break his smoking habit, she was actually not doing that. She was trying to get into his mind, into his psyche to figure out who this guy is and why he's dating or yeah, why he's dating her daughter. 
Yeah, and I want to take it back to Georgina and Walter briefly here because they are, like you said, the two servants. Walter is the one outside doing all of the yard work and everything like that, just making sure the property is kept up. And then Georgina is inside cooking meals, getting drinks, probably cleaning the house and everything like that. And they have this very strange demeanor to them. And you can tell that Chris picks up on it when he gets there and meets both of them because it's sort of this creepy moment when he first comes across both of them. And then things just sort of get creepier from there, like when Walter practically runs him over in the middle of the night when he goes outside. And then when he sees, you know, Georgina, he's outside and she's up in one of the rooms and she's kind of, it looks like she's kind of like, you know, fixing herself up and everything like that. And he's slowly putting these pieces together with the two of them, because as it turns out, you know, the parents went through this same thing with them and I guess I don't even know what you would call it like lobotomize them and put their someone else's brain in them I don't know it was weird (laughs) yep it's a lobotomy that's exactly what it is and you can tell that he is uncomfortable because Georgina and Walter both don't act like well I'm trying not to sound really insensitive about this, but I'm also trying to figure out how to say this politely, but they don't have the mannerisms or even vocabulary that we are used to seeing in the Black community today. It was like they were more backwards in their thinking and very prim and proper, which is still very weird to think about in today's society. But... The other thing, too, is that Georgina ends up snooping. Yes. And the cell phone scene where he thought he was charging his phone. He could have sworn he was charging it. And then she's just like, oh, I must have unplugged it while I was cleaning. I'm so sorry. Just robotically apologetic about it. Yeah, the two of them seem very brainwashed when you meet them. And I think, obviously, that's because of the lobotomy and everything like that. But you just get this sense about them that this isn't who they actually are. And you can tell that Chris picks up on that. And I think, you know, that's when something starts to click for him. And he's like, okay, there's something weird going on here. And it isn't until Rose turns on him towards the end of the movie where it's like, oh, this is what's happening, at least for him. And then, you know, we'll fast forward here a little bit to, you know, the entire family being invited over and him having no idea about it. And that sets off another alarm when he sees Andre, who is played by Lakeith Stanfield, and he is acting the same way, basically. You know, he's all dressed up and then he's the only guest who isn't part of the immediate family pretty much or friends it was very hard to tell if they were all actually family members i think they were more like close family friends too that were in on this weird lobotomy thing but the other thing to take note of is that andre is around chris's age right 
And so you would totally expect him to have the same mannerisms. And that's why he was like, oh, man, something really isn't right. And while we're talking about all of this, I think we should definitely, definitely talk about his best friend, Rod. Right. Played by Lil Rel Howery. Most of the lines that he did were ad-libbed. And he was truly the comedic effect in this movie. Absolutely. Like, you could tell that police didn't believe him because of the sheer absurdity of what he was saying. And he was just like, oh, you know, you can't trust white people. <laughs> and let's just note... Just one of those. Let's note that this guy is a TSA agent. He works at the airport for the TSA. So, you know, he takes it upon himself to then go try and figure this out because... He's the one who shows up at the end. Chris manages to call him and be like, dude, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) Well, also, the cell phone plays an integral role in this movie. Like, you would think that being in the 21st century and being so connected, you know, he'd be able to constantly keep tabs on what's going on, like either Rod or Chris, or that somewhere along the line a ping could come up about an actual location but instead you know we have the accidental flash going off which weirdly enough manages to snap andre out of his weird trance and actually is like hey dude you need to get out right which is essentially where the title comes from is all the characters saying get out kind of ominously warning him and of course the family tries to be like oh no he's just got epilepsy there's no reason for him to be like this but if you notice that andre and walter and georgina all have something on their head yeah like you could never tell that they had been lobotomized because it was either a perfectly placed wig or a hat that made sure to cover everything it's like why would you wear that indoors too it's it's a little weird Yeah, i did notice that and with georgina it's obviously not as noticeable because you can't really tell she's wearing a wig until like i said you know chris sees her and she's sort of fixing it in the mirror and then Mm -hmm. she sees him looking at her and she sort of just scurries away and i'm glad you brought up the cell phone point because he also finds pictures of all of the ex-boyfriends that rose had brought to the house as well and i think that was one of the moments where he was like "Uh uh-oh you know (laughs) because he's swiping through these pictures and looking at these pictures and he realizes, you know, I, I think, what was it? Was it a box in a closet somewhere full of the pictures? I believe so, yes. Because he was packing. He had convinced Rose. He was like, okay, we need to go now. Like, something is happening. And he just finds this box of pictures. And I think that there was also a picture with the woman who Georgina is. Right. So that kind of was like, oh, well, Rose might also be bi. She could have had girlfriends, too. Yeah. Which, you know, wasn't a point really explored in the movie, but it was one that was significant enough to actually keep in the back of your mind. And, you know, while he's packing and while all of this is going on, you get that totally weird 
bingo game with the family. And the family's like, oh, are you excited for bingo later? (laughs) And like, I want to play bingo with my boyfriend, with his friends. Like, we'll go to the VFW. We haven't done it yet. And I've been saying this for the past year and a half. It seems like it would be fun. But this movie kind of takes the trope of, oh, it's the uh, old person's favorite pastime thing, but takes it to this super dark, super creepy thing and actually making it an auction for Chris. And that's like super, super weird. But at the same time, it also has some callbacks, at least I thought, to slave auctions. It was like, hey, here's this black man. He's very talented. He's very good looking. So why don't we auction him off? Because he could be of use to someone else. Yeah. And when he's looking through the photos too, he sort of notices, okay, it's sort of these taller, more athletic guys. And they're sort of all obsessed with how well they take care of themselves and how fit they are and everything like that. And, you know, I don't know if it weren't for the phone incident earlier, if he would have been quite as freaked out and just going up back to the room to get his phone and pack and everything. Because obviously with Mm -hmm. Georgina unplugging the phone, he has to plug it back up and leave it there for at least a little while so he can be able to use it. And I think it was when he went back up to, like you said, pack, get his phone and everything like that, that he found those pictures in the box. So it's like, okay, his phone is actually playing a pretty crucial role in this movie, like you said. And it's subtle, though. You know, we don't focus too much on the cell phone, maybe in the moment, but it's like after the fact, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, all of these sort of sort of things happen because of his phone. And that was one creepy box full of pictures. And like you said, we don't really know the full extent of who all Rose has duped into this, basically. And he's the only one who is able to survive by the end of it as far as we know right and the other thing is that chris was able to send a photo of andre as logan married to this much older white lady and then rod is the one that's like oh my god oh my god that's that missing guy that's that guy that was kidnapped and was never been found and of course you know he takes us to the police and like you're on something what's wrong with you And it's just, it's interesting. And before we get to the major buildup in the movie, it should also be noted that Rose's brother, Jeremy, was making some snide comments about black people. And he was kind of like, oh, look at me. I'm this big old macho dude. And look at me. I do these fancy martial arts. And it's like, was that a clue at the beginning of the movie? Like when he meets the family? that something was not right because there's no way that a brother would end up trying to wrestle a boyfriend like that. Yeah, exactly. And that moment too, when you see the switch flip in Rose, you know, she's ready to get out of there. She's ready to go. And he's freaking out because he can't find the keys and she has them the entire time. Or he's freaking out because she can't mm-hmm. find the keys. Neither of them know where the keys are, but really she had them the entire time. And you just see the look on her face change and you're like, 
uh-oh, here we go. And this is when we get into him being held captive in the house, basically. And they have sort of this extensive, elaborate basement. And this is clearly where all of their work is done. And they have TVs coming on at certain times. They're sort of drugging him to keep him sedated and falling asleep. And he finally figures his way out of the main room he's being held in. And what I found interesting was the fact that they weren't expecting him to probably even get out of that room, let alone get out of the house in general. Right. Like, oh, this is the part of the movie that's technically the oh shit moment. Just the oh shit, this is going on. Oh shit, what's going to happen next? Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like that. And then, you know, we've got Jeremy trying to attack Chris and being like, I'm going to kill you. Look at what you're doing. Yes, the brother, of course. We haven't mentioned him just yet, but he is equally as... I wouldn't necessarily say creepy, but he's definitely sort of the outsider, even within the creepy family. Yeah. And like his mom manages to this hypnotherapy that was supposed to help him stop smoking is actually, hey, we're tricking you into staying here for the rest of your life and you're going to stay in the dark place. Yeah. It's like this hole that he keeps falling through. It's almost like, I don't know if you've ever had this, but like, if you ever feel like you're falling in a dream and it just literally feels like you're falling and you wake up. I personally do not remember my dreams, but I do know I have woken up from that sort of feeling and he can't get out of it. He can't wake up from it. So he has to try extra hard just to be able to get any of this accomplished to escape. Mm -hmm. And here's the weird thing too. Like then you see this nice little video that's, oh, welcome. Your brain is about to be transplanted into someone else your brain will stay in the sunken place and your person will have the brain of someone else just living out your life the best way that they can and apparently this is something that's been going on for generations because in the video it's her grandfather who's talking about this and it's like what in the world how did this family get into the whole lobotomy business it's very very weird yeah, it's like a really bad infomercial and you're watching it and you're like, wow, they took the time to do this because they knew a lot of people were going to be watching this video. Yeah. And actually, it seemed more like a retirement home commercial than an infomercial to me because, you know, you don't have the people being bad at things like in infomercials. But it's just like... It's so weird. And then Chris meets the guy whose brain will be transplanted into his body. And it's actually the art critic that was blind because who kept asking him all those weird questions about his physique and how he likes to see. And it's just the blind dude wanted to see, which like, ugh, these people are so <laughs> selfish. Yeah. And the guy who bids on Chris, too, he actually tries to befriend him early on in the day when you know everyone starts arriving and you know he is still a little weird and awkward when he's talking to Chris but it's one of those things where it's just like the gall of these people is I don't want to say fascinating because it's certainly still creepy but it's just amazing how far they're willing to take things. I know and I'm kind of glad that this isn't actually a real thing in today's society because I would be honestly living in fear every day of my life. 
that someone would just want my body for what I could do with it, like being able to see or, you know, being small or something like that. I don't know. And of course, you think that this is the end, that the hero of this movie is just going to end up as a black body walking around with a white mind. Of course, this is probably no time for bad jokes, but what just popped into my head was something just, you could say he's not in the white state of mind. (laughs) That was terrible, and I'm sorry. I really am. But the hero comes to the rescue by realizing that even though he's strapped into this chair, he still has movement, and he can, you know, maneuver himself to actually, he, when he does the when he's in that trance, like the one thing that was definitely introduced in that first scene where he has this like weird hypnotherapy session with the mom is that he's a scratcher and he realizes that he can scratch through the chair and then kind of like figure out a way to get the stuffing into his ears to block out the weird hypnosis. Like the other thing is that that video does feature someone with the teacup kind of like doing that thing with the spoon and clinking, which is that trigger for, well, everything. I'm sort of wondering if the parents probably didn't think he was going to be the one to be smart enough to make it out because he's definitely more on the creative side in his everyday life. You know, he's taking these amazing photos and everything like that. And you don't really know just how smart he is until he starts trying to escape from this house and it's interesting to sort of just be able to see those wheels turn as he's going he's like okay you know put this stuff in my ears so I can stay awake stay lucid and find a way out of here and he has multiple obstacles because he is severely outnumbered even after you know everyone has gone home after the auction and everything like that because you still have the parents the two kids and Walter and Georgina, who will do whatever the parents tell them to, basically. True. And the other thing is this movie, as I said earlier, could very well be seen as like a good conversation on race in America today, because we've got folks out there, mostly on the MAGA hat wearing Fox News believing side of the country, that black people are dumb and black people are not smart at all and that that could have some play into it when we know that there are brilliant black minds out there and just like amazing amazing people who have been able to push past the stigma of what people kind of see them as and it goes back to the jim crow era it goes back to the era in slavery it was just like they were seen as inferior because of their skin color. Yeah, this movie definitely has a lot to say as far as, you know, racism in America and everything like that goes, especially these days. And the movie sort of came out at the perfect time for that, too. This is true. And Jordan Peele actually did his research into this. The movie had an alternate ending, which we'll kind of talk about in a little bit. I just don't want to get to the ending quite yet. But he did realize that 
when production had begun on the film, there were a lot of high profile shootings of black people by the police. And he said, and I quote, it made people more woke to what was going on in the world around them. So they had test screenings with the original ending. And that's how he decided that there should be, you know, a nice ending to this tale instead of the harsh realities of what's going on today. And if you have the DVD or the Blu-ray, because that's still a thing, there are also more endings, which I haven't seen. So I've just seen, you know, the movie, the one ending. Okay. I know I watched one of the alternate endings, but if there are multiple, I probably can't tell you really which one it is. But I have a couple questions that I want to ask you because I feel like this probably happened for people at different points in the movie. But when did you catch on to what was happening? And when did you catch on to when you realized Rose was involved in all of it? Hands down, it had to be when the people were coming for that party. Okay. Like, there were some things in the movie, like, in the beginning that made me a little suspicious, but it wasn't until that party and with the mannerisms of Andre as Logan. And then Rose just being like, oh, no, I forgot that this was a thing that we do every weekend on this specific, you know, this very weirdly specific time. And I was like, oh, no, something's going to happen here. Like, something bad. And then they get to that bingo scene, as I mentioned earlier, and that's when yeah. you know something is going down, especially when you get the bl- or the blind guy involved in it. Yeah, I would say that that moment was the same for me when I realized, okay, there is something really morbid going on here. But I think with Rose, I don't think it was until he found those pictures that I was 100% convinced she was in on the whole thing. I was still questioning it a little up until the point where, you know, she, her face just changes when she goes from looking for the keys to just having them in her hand. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was definitely coming. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he's taken away and she starts surfing the Internet for possible right. new bachelors to kind of figure out how to get into this plan. I think she was looking at what, Blake Griffin? Yeah, she was looking at like all of these athletes basically which is a total different scenario than dating chris because like i said he's a guy who takes photos you know he's not really the athlete or anything like that and obviously he is just athletic enough to manage to get away but you can tell when he's getting away that this is really a struggle for him and he's not going to he's not going to just like fight his way out of the house necessarily he has to think strategically while doing it yes and this is the part of the movie that could technically be considered horror because of the horrific gore and everything that you saw i think i might have jumped probably at one point during this part of the movie because you know the scenes are very intense and very just like oh my god, they're going there. The movie literally went from not being intense at all to being extremely intense by the end of it. And I love just the pacing of it. It felt like, you know, it was just right. And you were like, okay, yes, we've been building up to this this entire time, but it still feels really intense while you're watching it. 
I was watching it with my boyfriend, and I'm sure I probably squeezed his hand harder than <laughs> any other time. Like, he was probably like, oh, God, how is this tiny girl so strong? Like, where is the circulation in my hand? Why is this a thing? But it was just like, as I was watching and getting into it, it was like, oh, God, this is like really intense. And I just got to, you know, it's a fist clencher almost, which is something I have actually done while watching movies is just like watch something to the point where I don't even realize that I'm clenching my fist because of the suspense or because there's just something going on. He's just lucky I didn't have long nails at the time, and, you know, <laughs> couldn't squeeze those into his skin as well, because he'd probably be all bloodied and battered. And uh, yeah, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> Are you ready to break down these final moments of the movie now? Or is there anything else you want to hit on first before we dive into that? This movie made me think that I could use my <laughs> metaxidermy deer head as a very good weapon in case, you know, someone were to ever break into my house one day. And, you know, it's kind of funny with all of the just killing because Chris, the hero here, is killing with the most random of right. objects. Like, he hits the dad with a croquet ball literally like the whitest sport <laughs> i can think of it's like that in polo or something like that yes well you know what if it had been a polo mallet too you know <laughs> anyway but that and then he gets impaled against the head like the deer antlers yeah. on the wall it's like man i didn't never thought to like, use harold as a weapon Please note, I did not kill this deer. Uh, my mom found him on sale one day at a store. It is a real deer head, and I have just named him Harold. Always good to name the deer heads. Oh, you've always got to name your weird taxidermied <laughs> things, you know? Just don't call Norman Bates on us, Megan. No. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm, I'm too, <laughs> too squeamish, you know? <laughs> I'm way too squeamish. Like, blood just makes me freak out. So it's a miracle I kept my eyes open during, you know, this ending that was so bloody and gruesome. But then again, I did eat Christmas dinner one year watching Saving Private Ryan, so that probably says a lot. But yeah, the stabbing. We go back to the stabbing of people. Like, somehow he finds a knife and stabs the mom, and then he and the brother get into this huge fight, and it's just like, my god, when will this end? It's definitely survival of the fittest here at this point because, you know, he's already taken out the dad who is arguably the biggest threat because he's the one who is going to be conducting the lobotomy. So, you know, it's like, okay, that guy's dead, saved from lobotomy. Here we go, on to the next. And he sort of just has to literally go through all of these people in order to get out of the house and. Obviously, at the very end, his friend shows up in, I don't know if it's necessarily the timeliest manner, but it's like, okay, he's here. Let's leave, please. But, you know, if he could, if he showed up a little earlier, maybe he could have helped out a little more. <laughs> yeah, but you're forgetting the most crucial thing here. How Rose, you know, apprehends him with Walter. Right. But... Walter isn't Walter. Walter is actually her grandfather, Roman. Yes. Like, oh my God. And 
he manages to awaken the actual Walter with his phone flash and, again, phone to the rescue. So then, you know, Walter is able to overtake Rose and takes the gun from her. And she thinks that he's still Roman, so he's going to kill Chris himself. But instead, he shoots her and then kills himself because he knows he doesn't want to live out his life that way. And then, like, oh my gosh, the whole, like, Georgina comes out of nowhere and she gets hit as he's driving this car and he has the flashback to his mom's death, which is what really sets him off into the dark sunken place. And he feels so guilty about that, that he doesn't realize that this lady is actually possessed by the brain of her grandma, Marianne. Things definitely get very crazy at the end here. And you're sort of just like, okay, this is happening to this person and this is who this is. And we're figuring all of this out now. And obviously there were hints that Georgina and Walter weren't themselves. And it wasn't until, you know, that video played where you're like, oh, okay. Sort of starting to piece together who Walter and Georgina really are. And then in the end, that final stretch of the movie confirms all of that and you're like wow this is one wacky family to put it nicely well this is why people don't trust white people because they can be so stepfordian but then they can really show off how evil they truly are and of course right now i said the word evil and i've got a mermaid man going evil (laughs) just in my head so you know just imagine it's Mermaid Man shouting evil at this family. But I will say that, you know, this cast was fantastic. This movie, despite being very weird and just, I'm still confused on how it was fully categorized as like a drama when it really should have, or no, as a comedy, I think. Was it nominated as a comedy? Pretty sure it was the Oscars are so weird. I don't actually pay attention to what movies are in what categories at this point oh yeah no at the golden globes it was nominated for best movie musical or comedy yeah that's weird and yeah it's it's much more dramatic like i am very sure that if it had been up against say oh i don't know the shape of water people would still be talking about how get out really changed the landscape in the film industry as opposed to just another movie about fish sex. Yeah, I think, like you said, this is definitely more of a psychological thriller. And, you know, I'd be perfectly fine just, you know, keeping it in that horror genre, too, because I think that sort of gives you a variety of options that you can go on because a horror movie doesn't have to be, like I said, like Scream with jump scares to classify as a horror movie you can have these movies that are more well thought out and have this narrative to them whereas you know movies like that is like okay is there actually a plot or is someone just trying to kill a bunch of people (laughs) see we should have more movies like this as opposed to however many installations of saw there are right now yes we don't need any more of those just give us more get outs and going back to the ending with me mentioning, you know, the original ending, instead of being rescued, Chris ends up in jail. And, you know, Rod sees him and wants info about this crazy family to investigate. 
And then Chris said he stopped them and that everything is fine and, you know, there's nothing to worry about. And Jordan Peele said that this ending was really to reflect the realities of racism. And he also said that having a moment where the audience thinks that Chris is going to be arrested would preserve the intended reaction. And it's just now I kind of want to see these other endings. Yeah, like I said, I have only watched one alternate ending, and I definitely like the original ending a lot better than the one I watched, because I think I don't quite remember what it was, actually. So maybe that's why I like the original one better anyway, because the alternate that I saw, I was just like, eh, okay, there's an alternate ending that I didn't really need. Mm Mm-hmm. And now I'm looking at the trivia on IMDb, and there's some pretty cool trivia things in here. Like, okay, there's... At the garden party, there's a Japanese man. And this guy is not actually an actor, but a noted karate master. They did a local casting call in Alabama, but Jordan Peele was having some issues finding an older Japanese man to play this guy. As it turns out, this karate master lived in Birmingham and is the father-in-law of one of Jordan Peele's friends. So that's a cool little fun fact that I actually didn't know until we did this. Yeah, sometimes it's really cool to go through and read the trivia for a movie. And this one has a lot. So, you know, we will link to the IMDb page for anyone interested. And yeah, I think this is one of the most extensive trivia pages I have seen on a movie. Yeah. I like this one about the Black Panther. He took part in the Get Out Challenge on set. So it involved the wonderful Lupita and Michael B. Jordan. And it was a bunch of cast and crew members running towards Daniel Kaluuya and taking sharp turns at the last minute. So he was in character and he acted all frightened and quickly walked away as Redbone started playing. Redbone by Gambino. The great Childish Gambino song that has been played a lot on the airwaves if you listen to your local radio stations. And this one, it looks like can be found on Lupita's face or not Facebook, her Instagram account. Yeah. Well, do you have any final thoughts on this movie before we dive into a little bit on what Jordan Peele is working on next? I know for me, this movie was easily one of the top 2017 movies that I watched and it was just so well done and I believe it was his directorial debut right it was it was and it's actually something where he joked he was going to retire from acting and just become a director and to see noted comedian go from doing comedy and doing these really just like funny out there things and to see him get involved with something so serious it's like he's got a future in this like I will watch future things that he directs yeah and to dive into what he is working on next I know he is an executive producer on a on an upcoming tv series called The Hunt which is about Nazi hunters in the 1970s who seek justice on their own terms and you know Nazi hunters I might be in I might have to check this out 
Oh man, this might actually upstage Let's Kill Hitler, one of the noted episodes of Doctor Who where they go out and try to kill Hitler. Yeah, and he has another TV series that he is the executive producer on, I believe, and it is called Lovecraft Country. So he has a lot of things in the works right now, but I think probably the biggest one that you and I are going to be excited to check out is the new movie that he is going to be directing, and it's just called Us. He did release the poster for it on his Twitter not too long ago. It was definitely sometime this month, and he just dropped it without any warning, and everyone's like, oh my god, this is going to be good. And it also will be one of those horror thriller things, and Lupita is already on board to be in this movie. And Winston Duke is rumored, who is another actor who was in Black Panther. Yes. And interestingly enough, Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale is also attached to this project. Yeah. And like I said, we don't know too much about it. It is described as a social horror thriller. So it definitely seems right up the alley of Get Out. So I'm sure you and I will be keeping an eye on the news for this. Oh, totally, totally, totally. Like, I am just looking forward to a world with more Jordan Peele movies. Even though I will say I miss Key and Peele, and I'm really glad that he got Keegan to do a cameo in this movie. Because, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be a Jordan Peele thing if Keegan-Michael Key didn't just pop up out of nowhere. This is true. And it was a very nicely timed cameo, too. Mm-hmm especially since he's been all over the place with sports-related things because of Penn State and how he's portrayed our wonderful coach. And he actually was just up at University Park for Blue White Weekend as the guest coach for the game, which I thought was funny, which meant there were two uh, James Franklins, <laughs> kind of. Nice. I love sports, you know? Yeah, well... There's definitely a lot to look forward to from Jordan Peele coming up here. And Megan, I know we do not have misaligned going on anymore, but you are always welcome to come on this podcast so we can continue talking about things and even go beyond music, obviously, like we have done here. And, you know, it had been a while since you had been on, so it was certainly time and we will not wait nearly as long, hopefully, again. <laughs> This is true because I do enjoy chatting with you. Like These are always so fun to do. Yeah, I agree. And as you know, I am all over the place with all of the different things that I read, listen to, watch. So there's always something that is common ground with the two of us that we can dive into. And, you know, thank you again for coming on to discuss Get Out today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. And to our listeners, of course. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day.